Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rotation. As always, I'm your host, Jay Butler, and if you're listening to me, you're listening through SoundCloud, you're listening through Google Play Music, Stitcher.com, or the thesportsrotation.squarespace.com. Again, that's the thesportsrotation.squarespace.com, or you are listening through Google Play Music. I want to thank you for tuning in. And... I guess I owe some of you all an apology. Just like the song says, I'm sorry. I am truly sorry. Here I was thinking that I could go out and, you know, take a few days off, not post anything for a little bit. And I had a good amount of my listeners just drop off the face of the earth, actually stop following me. I don't know what's up with that. Was I saying stuff that was too inappropriate? Was it too provocative for some of you all? Did I upset some Alabama fans? Well, I know I didn't upset you. You must be upset by the way your team just fully collapsed against Auburn, but we'll get into that. But that's okay. I started off with a few, and I'm back to a few again, but I will build this back up. Trying to build a brand here. Trying to really get something going. Trying to get some sponsorship going, so that's okay. We'll we'll continue to uh, to uh, draw back people into the circus tent. If I have to do backflips, if I have to do something outrageous to garner your attention, that's what I'll do. Because I'm here for you guys. But for those of you who are listening, thank you for being in the rotation with me. And a lot of interesting things have gone on. Um... We see that there's been a lot of coaches that have been let go. Butch Jones, thank goodness. I mean, the guy should have been put out of his misery a long time ago. Uh, you have Will Bielema from Arkansas. And more importantly, you had Kevin Sumlin. Now, this Kevin Sumlin situation, that it wasn't surprising to me, but it's just amazing to me how your success can ultimately kill you. Because... I'm looking at what this Texas A&M team was before Kevin Sumlin got there, and they were a laughing stock. They were a joke. They were just a joke. You know what? Before I even touch on the Kevin Sumlin situation, I got to talk about the coach that was fired before he was even hired, because that's that's even more bizarre. I'm looking at the situation that's going on with Greg Schiano. Who knew that Tennessee fans had that much power. Who knew that there were even Tennessee fans that even existed? I mean, when I'm looking at what's going on with uh, Tennessee, looking out into the stands, I don't see fans, or at least I didn't see what I thought were fans. I just assumed that those were people that the university was paying to go to the games uh, because the, 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 the fan base had really given up in the past few years 
with having Bush Jones as their as their uh, head coach. That fan base was n- not buying in whatsoever. So I mean that's just a bizarre situation. It's making you wonder who really is in control when it comes to the uh, Tennessee administrative staff as far as hiring the coaches. You cannot have a situation where you have come to an agreement with a head coach and he's expecting to be taking over a once once dominant program. I mean this this program has a lot of history to it. It once was an illustrious a program to be a part of. Now it's a laughing stock. But you you can't get a coach with Greg Schiano's pedigree and and despite what you want to say about Greg Schiano, is the last time he was a head coach in Tampa Bay uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that team was nothing to write home about. But as far as having a guy with his pedigree being the associate head coach at the at Ohio State, as far as getting a guy like that to agree to come run your program and then to get turned away because of of what boosters or fans or or people in government might be saying, it really shows that there is a lack of leadership that's going on in Tennessee. And now you've become a laughing stock of 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 uh, college football. I don't know who you get to come coach that team. Who wants that to coach that team right now? Who's going to put faith in the fact of having um, an administrative staff really support you? Yeah, I know you have people who say, oh, well, Greg Schiano, um, he was there when Jerry Sandusky was at Penn State. There, there's nothing that's tying uh, Greg Schiano to the horrific acts that Jerry Sandusky was involved with while he was in Penn State. There's nothing tying him to that. He's been vetted several times. I don't think a man like Urban Meyer would have taken him on his staff if he wasn't vetted thoroughly. There's no way that Urban Meyer would put his name out there and bring on a guy with if he had that type of baggage. Not like drinking baggage. We're talking about child abuse baggage. No, nobody attaches their name to that. No matter how good of a person you are, there's no coach who's going to put their career on the line in order to help elevate another head coach. And he was an associate head coach. It's not like he was a linebacker's coach or a defensive coordinator. You're talking about a the associative head coach, second man in charge. But that's just a shame what's going on in Tennessee. It's, a, it's I don't know. I don't know what you had to say about that. Here's um, Paul Feynman on the situation that's going on at um, Tennessee. Zubin, I, I've covered college football for, for more than 35 years, and I've, I've never seen anything this bizarre or, or surreal. And you, you can blame it on a lot of things, but, it, but in the end, there's one person who's responsible for this program, and that is John Curry. He's been in the job about nine months and he took way too long to fire butch jones he didn't give himself very much time he's been turned down obviously by by john gruden by by dan mullen and now uh, his third or fourth or fifth choice greg shiano this thing blows up and and it's just really going to be interesting to see the, the repercussions and the, and the aftershocks because now tell me this uh, what what reasonable coach is going to want to go to this university and, and, and take this job after 
this unbelievable uh, embarrassment. That's the key question that has to be answered as you're taking a look at a completely, Paul, different sort of vol walk as people are walking with signs all over the place debating the move. On the other end, I got to ask you this. Curry just came over from Kansas State, as you mentioned, in his job less than a year. What does it say about the courage of conviction for somebody in a leadership position to say, this is the guy, we've identified this guy, we want this guy, he's turned around more up on programs before, and simply because your fan base, a few members of the fan base and some local bigwigs say no way, what does it say about your courage and conviction that you completely pull out from this? It says, it says you have none. And, and, and again, I, I don't have all the facts of, of what happened at Penn State, but Greg Schiano has been hired by Urban Meyer. He's been vetted before. He's had jobs since then. You, you know that, that Zubin. He coached at, at your alma mater and then he coached in the NFL. And, and, and I just think it, it, it's, a, it's a lack of leadership. It's a lack of conviction. It's athletic directors, while they're negotiating with a prospective head coach, looking at their phone and reading Twitter and reacting to what fans are saying. And on one level, that's nice. But on the other level, that's not what leadership is about. How would you describe... Well, there you have it. Lacking leadership. Guy's been in the job for less than a year, and that's Curry, their athletic director. You really have to question if he knows what they're doing. Another question that was raised was, what reasonable coach? Key in on that word, reasonable coach, would be willing to take on the job that is taking place at the University of Tennessee. What reasonable coach? I'll tell you what reasonable coach. <laughs> well, there isn't really a reasonable coach. You need a coach without reason. Who is that? Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Now I realize that Lane Kiffin burned a lot of bridges while he was at the University of Tennessee. But a lot of those people are gone. And let's face it, no matter what you want to say about Lane Kiffin, he does move the needle when it comes to interest. Just look at what he's done at that whole entire FAU program. People are on the Lane train. Literally, on the Lane Kiffin train. There's a train with Lane Kiffin's face that parades around the campus, and people actually get on that train. He's made FAU respectable. A top team in the Conference USA. And while life might be good at FAU, it ain't great. It would be awesome for Lane Kiffin to be back at the big time. Back at a Power 5 school at Tennessee. And let's face it. Tennessee needs Lane Kiffin just as much as Lane Kiffin needs Tennessee. Lane Kiffin should not be trolling away uh, trying to build respectability at a program like FAU. It's a good feel-good story, but it's not a story where Lane Kiffin, is, you're going to see him, that being his last stop that he uh, makes within his coaching career. So if you are Tennessee, this actually might be a blessing in disguise because you can save face and you can hire the person that you should have hired in the first place which is Lane Kiffin. He'll get people talking. There'll be a buzz around the campus. And oh, just wait until Tennessee would play Alabama. That would be a madhouse.
So stay tuned for that because I see them reaching out. Like, I, I keep hearing them talking about how they were reaching out to uh, John Gruden. John Gruden is not going anywhere. If he wanted to coach football, he would have been coaching football a long time ago. He wouldn't be on TV. He wouldn't be having uh, Gruden's quarterback camp doing that stuff for ESPN, doing Monday Night Football. Even though he does a great job for Monday Night Football, let's give it up for him. But if he really wanted to be coaching, John Gruden could be coaching. The guy won a Super Bowl, albeit with somebody else's talent, but he still won a Super Bowl. Knows how to talk a good game. Very knowledgeable about the game. Very good with offense, uh, with X's and O's. Nobody is, is ever going to doubt that. But what people have doubted for years is if John Gruden really was serious about leaving the, um, his seat on TV. And, and no, nobody, nobody in their right mind thinks that, they're, that he was serious. But again, that would be reasonable. What Tennessee doesn't need is someone who is reasonable. They need to go out and get Lane Kiffin. That would be an amazing hire. So stay tuned for that situation because there's it's only going to be a matter of time before you start hearing Lane Kiffin's name floating around Tennessee. But let's get back to that whole entire situation with Kevin Sumlin. First of all, I'm not into paying coaches million a multi-million dollar uh, a multi-million dollar deal to go away. I'm going to have them finish out their coaching contract. You know, when you're talking about bringing in or getting rid of a coach, it's not about who you're getting rid of, it's who you're bringing in. Now, a lot of sources around Texas A&M are saying that they can bring in Jimbo Fisher. I don't see how that's even possible, seeing as how um, you have that Francois who went down with an injury. He's a likely Heisman candidate. If he comes back strong, possible Heisman candidate, um, uh, not winner, but in the in the um, the talkings for the Heisman, there's no doubt about it. DeAndre Francois uh, would be talked about for winning the Heisman, or at least be in this discussion for next year. But there's no way I'm paying a guy ten ten point four million dollars just to go away. But this is why I say that sometimes you can be a victim of your own success. You can be a victim of your own success. When he got there um, in 2002, the team went 11-2. and two. He had the second best winning percentage in uh, Texas A&M football history. Only second to R.C. Slocum. And that was back in 1950. Up until that point, Texas A&M, they were a cupcake of a team. People would look at them on their schedule and just mark off a W like like it had already happened but i'm i'm looking at him and i'm looking at the fact that he couldn't keep going 8 and 5 8 and 5 8 and 5 that wasn't going to be anything that was looked at as respectable at uh, Texas A&M but when you think about the coaches who were there before him their record was 57 and 53. 57 and 53. Yeah, I know their record is 4 and 11 against SEC opponents in November since 2013. 
But 57 and 53, those were the two guys who were before Sumlin? Sumlin actually created a brand at Texas A&M. People were proud to be associated with the Texas A&M program. And then you consider the amount of money that was generated while he was there in his tenure. I'm looking this up right now. It says that the program spent more than $520 million on football facility renovations, including a $485 million redevelopment to Kyle Field. You're talking about a guy who was able to generate that much money for a program that no one wanted to be associated with, and you're just going to get rid of him? Because he had a couple of off years in the SEC, which people try to talk about as being the most competitive um, conference in all of college football. I realized he wasn't beating Nick Saban. But then again, who does beat Nick Saban? When he had Johnny Manziel, he beat Nick Saban. But you, you're talking about a, a, a coach who had a top 15 recruiting class the last seven years of his tenure. Last seven years. And you're just going to get rid of that guy. Sorry, I shouldn't say last seven years. Last five years. Top 15 recruiting class. Sometimes you're a victim of your own success. Him turning that program into what it is, that's nothing to be ashamed for. Making that that program respectable? Hey, when you can say that you have left the program better than when you first got there, a lot can be said about that. And I'm, I'm very surprised that a lot of teams were just looking over him as far as their head coaching search. But Kevin Sumlin won't be unemployed for very long. He's too good of a coach. Known for turning programs around. Good recruiter. So, you know, he'll learn from this. He'll get better from this. It's only a matter of time. I am surprised to hear about them thinking that they can get Jim, Jimbo Fisher. I don't see how that happens. Unless you're trying to tell me that Jimbo is uh, kind of, you know, not wanting to face the up-and-coming emergence of the Miami Hurricanes, that he's afraid of Mark Rick, which I doubt it. I don't think that you leave the ACC and have to face Mark Rick Aaron and um, Dabo Sweeney to go take on Nick Saban. Or Dan Mullen, who's now going to be the University of Florida's head coach. I don't see how that's happening. But this is good for you and I. This whole entire thing with uh, Alabama losing the Auburn, of possibly not uh, making it into the uh, four-team playoff race, this is great. One of the most terrible things that you can have, and I know that in college football, People love to have their story tradition. They love to have their top conf- their top powers from top conferences going in year after year um, with the possibility of playing for a national championship. But there is nothing that gets old quicker than knowing the outcome 
or knowing who is going to be involved at the very end when you're talking about playing for a championship. If you can expect that year after year, what's the point? And Alabama really has no one to blame but themselves. You're this team that does not really schedule any type of out-of-conference foes who are, are worth playing. Yes, I know you played FSU. Okay, big deal. I know it's not your fault that FSU got hurt. But scheduling Fresno State, who did manage to make it up into the top 25, which is not really that hard. There's nothing to really to talk about. But you schedule Mercer. Who else did you schedule? I mean, just a bunch of cupcakes. And then Tennessee is having a down year. Oh, wait, they've been having a down year for the past 10 years. Texas A&M isn't any good. Well, I shouldn't say any good. But you you trample you you trample over Arkansas. LSU is still trying to find their way with Ed Ogeron. You got to schedule out of conference teams, and you didn't. You didn't schedule any out of conference teams that were worth anything. So, look, the only person, the only people really to blame is yourselves. It's interesting looking at Nick Saban saying, "Oh well, this team has done enough." This team has done enough. They should get a chance to play for a championship. No, you haven't done enough. Unless TCU pulls out an upset against Oklahoma, you're going to be sitting. Or unless Miami pulls out an upset against Clemson, you're not going to be playing in that um, playoff race. Sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Isn't that a song? Sorry, not sorry. Anyway. But it's good for you and I, because we get to sit back, we get to wonder who these best teams are, we get to watch Auburn and Georgia play, we get to watch um, uh, Miami and Clemson play, and see who comes out of it. Both of, All four of those teams are teams that have a, a, a chance, aside from Miami, Miami uh, is a little bit of a question mark at their quarterback position, and sometimes I do wonder just how good that that uh, Miami defense is when they're not playing um, at home and the turnover chain is not that big of a deal when they're playing away from home. But all four of those teams have a possibility of playing for and or winning a championship. So that's good for you and I. I mean, it's just like in, in basketball. I'm not going to complain with the fact that even though the Warriors are good, we still don't necessarily know who is going to be playing for the championship. We have a good idea, but it's far from years past where we knew that, oh, okay, it's going to be Golden State, it's going to be Cleveland. I don't know if it's going to be Golden State and Cleveland. I know that Houston's gotten a lot better with the addition of Chris Paul. I know that Cleveland can't stop anybody on defense. And I know that Boston has upgraded. The NBA, more than any other sporting league, has done a great job of creating parallel storylines that people can be interested in, even if their team is not playing for a championship or even playing for a position in the playoffs. Now, it just so happens that in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are both healthy. 
So more than likely, they're going to be making the playoffs, and Marco Fultz will be coming back. So it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic is with that team. But nobody certainly expected Boston to win as many games as they won with Gordon Hayward going down. But you're getting a chance to see the emergence of young players. There's been a strong influx of talented young players in this league, particularly this year. You're getting a, a healthy Joel Embiid, which is good for everybody. I love African guys who um, are convinced that they can take on the world, who tell people about them fighting lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! That doesn't. That is. That seems like something that you just tell white people, and that white people will probably uh, believe. But yes, Joel Embiid has tried doing that. But it is interesting to see what's going on in Philadelphia, watching this team come together, watching the amount of talent that they have on their team. Really sad to see that Gordon Hayward is not healthy. But even still, you're seeing a, a lot of talent that's being spread throughout the league. And their name isn't Lonzo Ball. Thank goodness. Even the Chicago Bulls, there's something to look forward to, even though they're... oh. Gosh, being a Chicago Bulls fan, it's really testing my patience this year. But there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. You got Laurie Markkinen leading his team in points and rebounds. You got Ben Simmons. We already talked about him. Donovan Mitchell playing like an amazing, amazing pickup. I don't know how he was able to slip as far as he did in the draft. With Utah being able to snag him up. But like I said, there's there's a lot of good storylines in the NBA. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But the NBA has done an amazing job of marketing these young stars. And teams have done... Let's give it up for these teams who've done a great job of of um, selling and, and, and really developing their young talent that they've had on their teams. It's been quite an adventure watching the NBA this year. But that's just all I had to get into for today. I um, want to thank you for being in the rotation with me. Um, going to try to get these fans back. I was really surprised, again, to see so many people had dropped off with listening from the podcast, but that's okay. Trying to build this thing back up to respectability. Going to be doing a lot more writing at the thesportsrotation.squarespace.com, so you can check out uh, my website there, thesportsrotation.squarespace.com. Thanks for being in the rotation. I'm out.